weird, time-sensitive, or just not long enough for a full episode, this is Bonus Content. Hello everyone, this is another edition of Bonus Content, and yes, this is Mike Perna on the mic for Game Store Profits. It feels good, it feels real good, it's been a really long time. Now, the next full episode you will also get to hear me, but uh, that's yet to come, we literally haven't even recorded it yet. But, leading up to that, I said, you know what guys... Next episode is the the end of year special, and we're gonna talk about some of the stuff that happened with the team at PAX Unplugged, but why on earth do we not do a bonus content that's just focused on talking about PAX Unplugged? And while I'm at it, why on earth do I not get at least some of the team that went with us to PAX Unplugged? So, uh, I actually have a good portion of the team, not everybody, the Brookses. You know, it's always, as testament by the fact that we actually get Game Store Profits out at all, it is a, a challenge to get people uh, literally on the other side of the country together to record. But, thankfully, this is fantastic, because everybody who's with us right now is either in New Jersey with me, or in Pennsylvania. So it's a hop, skip, and a jump from here. So, this was actually one of the easier things to get everybody together for. Uh, so... I will leave it to the guys to introduce themselves. Just a brief snippet. Uh, in fact, let's just go around. We'll take this opportunity to kind of give uh, just our general feelings about the con. Just the the impressions that we got. Now, some of us have been to cons before. We've also been to PAX Unplugged before for its inaugural last year. Some of us, this is a brand new experience. So, uh, let's start. Well, let's start with the noob, shall we? Uh, Dave? Uh, I've known Dave for a very long time, and this is Dave's first gaming convention ever. First one ever. It was very exciting and very overwhelming. But it was almost, in a lot of ways, it, it, it met a lot of my expectations that I had going in for what a gaming convention would involve. It was still just way bigger. That's what it was. It was what I expected, just way bigger. There we go. I think that's, that, you know, as the guy who, who stood next to you as you walked into the hall. Yes. And got, got them big eyes going. <laughs> yes. My, uh, my, my dinner plate eyes going as we stepped into that huge exhibition hall. Good grief. And, and, and I will, this, we're going to tell a bunch of stories about the event, but there was one that I, I'm just going to slip in just because it's only seconds long. But it really did, for me, encapsulate watching Dave have his first con experience. Uh, we're talking to a friend of mine, and uh, all of a sudden I go, I go, hey Dave, by the way, Rob Daviau just walked behind us. And he's like, who now? And I'm like, Rob, Rob Daviau, the designer, he literally just walked that way. And Dave's jaw dropped, his eyes got wide, and he, he gave this expression like, how am I even here? <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, that was that was fun, and we were you were talking to, and your friend even noticed it was yeah kind of funny and a little embarrassing at the same time. There were a couple of those little um, awestruck moments for me talking to people and also just like trying to figure out what in the world I'm doing in this room. Like, I turn around and Mike is standing there talking with Isaac Vega. Isaac Vega. <laughs> Isaac's such good people. I literally 
just got done demoing one of your games. <laughs> so yeah, so we, we have Dave. Uh, let's go. Let's go with Monzo, who was a wanderer like myself. Hey. So what was what was your overall impression of the con? Now you were there last year too. You actually I was had a there, booth last year. Yeah, I was there last year. I was um, heading up the Game Church booth at PAX Unplugged last year, which was a super cool experience. Um, but this is the first con in a, in a long time that I haven't been like working because the past five, six, seven cons I've gone to, I've been there with Game Church doing booths and not being able to enjoy the con to the fullest. So this was my first time. I can't say I wasn't doing ministry because, you know, I was here with inroads. I was helping inroads out and I was, you know, ministering in, in that capacity. But I was, I was roaming. I was doing a lot of enjoying myself and thereby enjoying other people who were along for the ride with me. Well, and one thing that we do want to talk about is kind of the ways, because of the fact that all of us were kind of, I don't, I don't want to say we were going like mercenary style, but literally each one of us kind of went in with a, this is my philosophy of how I'm going to connect with people. Yeah. And it, it did all kind of look different. So I do want to kind of spend a couple bits talking about, uh, just how each of us chose to minister in what context and how that worked. We will come back to that though, because now is the time that we get to hear from Jeff, who was working a booth for a large amount of the con. Jeff. Hi. Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In general, um, so a bit of context, even though I've been to, this is my second PAX Unplugged that I've been to, um, as in this is the second time that the PAX Unplugged actually has happened, this is arguably my, my like, PAX really was my first big convention last last year. Like, I went from smaller conventions to PAX, and um, <clears throat> it was a big jump to that. And that's not even the—it wasn't even the biggest convention at the time. And now uh, this year, uh, it's definitely gotten bigger. I think it's definitely, um, you know, it like the the, the uh, proof of concept of it being a thing for PAX to say, you know, what what if we could create this convention just for tabletop? And of all places, bring it to Philly and see if that would be a hit. Um, I think that that case was proven last year. And so they responded accordingly and and increased a lot of the space that we had. And and really, it, it showed uh, how much better the con was in that aspect. So overall, it was just, I mean, I, I loved PAX last year. I just loved it even more this year. It was great. Uh, it was a great time. I, I had such a good time. It was interesting to see just last year I got a chance to – last year I did a lot more quote-unquote content uh, for inroads. You know, just I was going around with my mic, getting interviews, stuff like that. And both the stuff I did on mic and off mic, I was talking to all the, the publishers, the developers, all that. And uh, every one of them was like, this is a demoers kind of convention. This is a con that you go to if you want to play things and try things that you wouldn't normally or stuff you've never heard of. And I really think that this year, a lot of the different booths kind of felt like that. Like a lot of them kind of leaned into that and be like, okay, we're not going to bring no product because we are going to sell stuff. But we need to make sure that every one of our booths has multiple tables, that we have plenty of demoers, that we have a lot of stuff going so that people can see this stuff. 
And that was, was really great. I, I had a lot of high hopes going into PAX because of the fact that, uh, the major gaming conventions that I've been to, it's been Gen Con. And Gen Con is a monster. Gen Con is an experience that I always say that every gamer should have at least once. But it's such just, it's a beast. It can be unwieldy. Like you're literally spilling out into most of, of Indianapolis. Uh, the fact that Gen Con has overtaken the, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium as well as the convention center and all that. It's, it's, it's a beast. PAX Unplugged has a lot of similar vibe to that as far as the amount of stuff to see. Like there's plenty of panels, plenty of cool things happening. Uh, you also have the, all the normal pack stuff, like the Acquisitions Incorporated and everything like that. It has a lot of pull, but it is just a much smaller vibe, even though one thing that was said over and over and over again by a lot of people, media people, gaming, gaming people, and, and publishers, was all like, this is going to get bigger. Like, there's no way this convention isn't going to get bigger. Oh, yeah. I and, mean, it, and, it, it, it doubled in size from last year. It really it did. did. It doubled. It. I when I so when I came in, uh, contacts. I came in as an exhibitor. So I I was, um, I came into the convention from a different perspective from everyone else who was on the team. Uh, I came in as an exhibitor. I was with um, a publisher for part of my time while I was there, and uh, that meant that I had more access to the con. So um, we get there on Thursday. And I was already in the hall getting ready and everything. And so I had to connect with the publisher. I worked with Tasty Minstrel Games uh, for part of the convention. Go go and, ahead and drop the name of the game you were demoing because I'd, oh, nev- I'd never yeah. heard of it. But after seeing you guys play it, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to look into it. It was a okay. delightful game. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, Joe and uh, so I got the game. The game is called Ghost of the Moor. Uh, it was published by Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer, uh, some name dropping there. Uh, so th- those are very well-known designers, uh, German designers. And TC Minstrel, I brought it over here to the States, to North America. Um, and it's a really... what? Well, so my sweet spot, and I think a lot of people's sweet spot in terms of tabletop gaming, is a game that's simple and has a lot of depth. And I think that that is one of those games that gets that combination right on. Uh, because the game is simple in terms of its explanation. Um, it's basically, you know, you're navigating through a swamp and you're trying to get out of that swamp. It's a roll and move uh, and a set collection game. And you're basically trying to collect treasures along the way and move strategically, kind of like how you would move in like a game of like sorry or trouble or that sort of thing where you have multiple pieces that you're trying to decide who can I best move to get to particular places and, and protect myself and that sort of thing. And you're trying to get out as soon as possible. And it's a game where it's it's easy in its explanation, but it has a lot of depth. It is definitely a brain burner, but it's quick for what it is. And so um, when I learned about this game, I fell in love with it immediately. And I and I brought it to Joe and I brought it to Dave. And I'm like, I want to learn this game. I want to play this. And we, we played it right in the hotel lobby. <clears throat> and I, And we fell in love with it. Uh, albeit I kind of taught it a little wrong because I didn't really quite understand the rules. Um, we played it completely wrong. We yeah. were cheating and everything else. Let, oh, let it slide. <laughs> Whatever. Let yeah. it be known, if you're listening slash watching this and, and you had Jeff demo it, he learned how to do it right 
before he actually got before the doors actually opened on the con. The night it's before, just, yeah. You know, just just you know, making sure people know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I had to learn this game very quickly. I, I did, and thankfully, I got. You know, it wasn't a hard game to learn. I just had to learn some of the specific rules that were kind of important. It wasn't like I missed a giant rule, but it, it did kind of matter. Um, but yeah, I, you, I, you I, were saying you were saying about being there Thursday when everybody was setting up. Yeah, yeah. So I was there, and I came in, and uh, much like uh, like Dave's reaction. When he came in, I had about the same reaction as well. It, it was, you know, I could tell immediately that, you know, like we, we saw previews of like how big the space was going to be, but it was like really like in like a, a map form. So we didn't really have a visual concept of it. And so when I came in, I, I noticed that uh, it was much bigger uh, in the expo hall. And then especially the key thing that, you know, PAX has for it is the free play area it they definitely took some notes from last year and decided that it was very important to add more free play space because that's ultimately what this con was about is playing games and that's where it happens and so uh i I immediately snapped a photo posted it up in the tavern had to show everyone this is this is a con that's about playing games and, and that really uh, was such a big thing that I got an opportunity to do that. So I also got to go into the con early on the days I didn't have to wait with everyone else. And so Cheater. it gave me, eh. but but <laughs> what it what it did give me is you know when everyone else is in the hall, you know they're they're the exhibitors, the publishers, the designers. They're in, you know, they're in mode of like being ready for people, and. You know, rarely do they have someone coming around. I was going around and connecting with all the people that I that I knew only basically through the internet, basically different publishers and the designers and everything like that. And I came up to their booths and just you know said hi and everything and interacted with them and and tried to like build a conversation and build a relationship with them. That was really the angle that I went at this con with is you know going from the angle of, of the industry, of, of the fact that there are people in the industry that I'm trying to share the love of Christ with, uh, building relationship, making that intentional, that was really my goal. Was One of the key goals I had was interacting with that key core group of people who needed to know that what they were doing mattered. The games they were designing, the games they were showing off, the things that were there, their presence at this convention mattered to the tabletop community in the East Coast in general and at large. Yeah, that that's something that, that I saw a lot of last year and also this year was the fact that one thing that, that apparently a lot of these publishers got to hear was was that because this is the biggest one that's on the East Coast, I mean, there are a lot of smaller ones. Uh, I would probably say that before PAX rolled up, at least specifically board games, like you had PAX East up in Boston. But as far as tabletop gaming specific, this was the biggest one outside of Dice Tower Con, and, and this is exponentially bigger than that one. So for a lot of people, this is their big con. They'd never been to one. A lot of the people who were showing up had never even heard of these things. Like, they're not, like, neck-deep hobby gamers. These are folks who are just now discovering, oh, hey, maybe these board games and tabletop games are a thing. And so, just the fact that PAX Unplugged is a thing and that it does happen in Philly is a big deal. 
Like there's, it, it's an exciting thing to kind of watch as it grows up because not only do I think it's going to grow itself as a convention, I think it's going to have a large impact on growing the hobby, especially because so much of it is dedicated to just getting people to play games. Absolutely. So uh, Jeff kind of talked about being at the booth and how that the exhibitor access and everything like that uh, was a huge part of, of how he chose to kind of to do ministry at the con. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go last because I'm really excited about what we got to do. But uh, Joe, you had some interesting stuff going on as far as ministry wise, both. I think both in a good context and a weird context, because you were playing in a tournament for a lot of the convention. Yeah, yeah. So Friday, um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be the Catan champion, whatever. And um, <coughs> I ended up actually not doing uh, so hot. I was I was in like the top de- 10 the day I played, and I could have gone back to the second day, but I was like, ah, I just wasted all day doing this. And it was, it was really hard. I don't want to say wasted, but like it was really hard. To to present yourself as, hi, I'm here to show you Jesus when you're in a competitive setting. Like, it's it's just, it's it's a weird dynamic. Now, I made friends with people. I met a guy named Nate who, um, who was like, yeah, I'm just here by myself. And I invited him to come play Root with us later that night. But it didn't, uh, didn't pan out. So, like, he, he ended up playing and doing his own thing. But, um. I was able to make some friends, meet people, um, hear stories about other Catan tournaments they were in. Um, it was just really hard to like, cause I had, I had a bunch of swag on me too. And I, I didn't be like, Hey, let me bless your board game. And then, and then utterly destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to give him that game. advantage. Come on. No, um, yeah. So that was, that was my Friday. Um, Saturday. I spent a little bit of time walking around with you and Dave on Saturday. Yep. Collecting stories and stuff. Um, and then Saturday, I just wandered. I was I was checking out different booths. I was hanging out with some of my friends. Um, I, I spent a lot of this con um, rebuilding relationships and strengthening relationships. And outside of Indra, Inroads, there was a bunch of drama that happened with Game Church and Love Thy Nerd, and we're not going to get into it, but um, me being there uh, sort of sort of updated them on stuff that was going on, and we were able to, to rebuild some, some bridges there, which was, which was nice. Well, it was, it was interesting to watch because as a guy who was connected to both, uh, it was interesting both to, to be part of that as, as well as to see uh, you kind of do a lot of really... I mean, let's just call it like it is. Do a lot of healing ministry at that moment because there was a lot of of again. We're not getting in. We're not even going to kind of touch the drama. Right, right. It's not our place. It's not our thing. We don't want to go there. But there was a lot of hurt feelings on every side in that that whole scenario. Yeah. And if you don't, again, if you don't know about what happened, it's it, done. Gonna, it, it's done. Don't don't go there. But yeah, just know that there was a lot of hurt, and to see Joe step into that was really cool. But um, that was yeah. I, I think I just spent a lot of time, you know, building up old relationships, and um, you know, seeing my friends again. It, it was so cool seeing all my friends who had been involved in Game Church before 
out and and doing their own thing, and it looks super different from what Game Church was. Um, so I, I don't know, everyone's everyone's thriving. And Rose is thriving. Love Light Nerds thriving. It was cool seeing everyone together doing very specialized things. I know, like, like Matt and Bubba and April Lynn, they were hanging out with the Dice Throne guys. You had Chris Qualtney always having a table for people to come and play games with them at. Like, it was, it was, it was cool. It was cool seeing them do, do their own things. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, that it's, it's really cool to see as more and more people come into this space that there are a lot of and and when I get into what I did uh, I'm going to there's a reason why this is the only content you're seeing slash hearing from game from inroads uh that was a that was a choice that I made and I'm going to talk to you about how amazing that choice was for me and I think honestly for inroads overall but before we get to that it's time to hear from Dave <laughs> well it was really interesting coming into um, cause I, I was the new guy. And so I was stepping into, um, a situation where like Jeff had these relationships he was, um, trying to renew and, and further along. Um, and Joe, there was, um, you know, these relationships that he was, you know, Bridges, he was trying to, to build back up again, um, from the, the drama that shall not be named. But, um, and then, and Mike, you too, also having these, um, having had a presence at cons before, uh, it was, it was, um, interesting. It was, uh, a little bit intimidating. Mike, you remember, I, I asked you a question, like, everybody's got these goals for coming into this convention, and I don't, I don't know what. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What I, I don't have one of those. <laughs> I, I don't have anything. And so I really just went in with the goal of just trying to absorb as much as I could. Trying to to take it all in, to listen, to ask questions, um, to get to know Jeff and Joe, um, who I had seen in and out of the tavern a couple different times and had never really... And never really uh, had a chance to really get to know, and so until I scared you in the lobby. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, having seen someone's picture on Facebook, and then all of a sudden you're showing, they're like tapping on the shoulder, saying hi to you in the lobby. Oh, hi, hi. I'm Dave. Oh, I'm Joe. Hi, Joe. Oh, yeah, the Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one thing. One thing that was interesting about this about putting this team together was that for a large portion of people i was the only one who had ever seen everyone on the team in person before (laughs) and so everyone was having that awkward moment of yes we're we're doing this together yes i've seen your face in a facebook chat before (laughs) now let's live together for three days yeah oh we're potentially sharing a bed later (laughs) (laughs) ah convention life oh yay Fantastic. <laughs> and so, like, you know, we, and I, I don't want to steal any thunder from, um, from you, Mike, about collecting stories. Uh, but for me, really, the whole, like, even outside of um, the time we spent going around the convention with you dressed up as a dwarf, like, outside of that, like, I felt like I spent, you know, three, almost three and a half days just 
collecting stories and learning about people and situations and um it was just it was just really really good um very it was just kind of that soul refreshing uh, good to to make connections and to you know just talk about things geek out about stuff and um uh and talk about who jesus is and what he's done and how that has uh, changed us and is and is affecting us in how we live and speak and move and why we're at this convention together yeah so i did public lunacy um <laughs> basically Doc- documented public lu- documented lunacy. public lunacy now documented public lunacy <laughs> uh i i came up with an idea uh if you if you're watching slash listening to this and you this is your first experience you came to us via hashtag or somebody shared this, uh, I one of the many podcasts that we run at Inroads is a devotional podcast called the Barden Bible. Uh, it was to make a very long story short, uh, I framed it. The start of it is basically me as an innkeeper saying I'm your resident dwarf bard Mike Perna, and that's because. After playing the very first Pathfinder game that we played as a ministry, kind of outward focusing role playing, uh, I, I, it was the first game of Pathfinder I ever played. I decided I wanted to play a bard because who better to, to, to test all of the skill checks than a bard? And I wanted to play a dwarf because I always play dwarves. But every character creation guide said, don't do it. And so I later, played that character. He has become my favorite character I've ever played in decades of role-playing and uh, therefore has become kind of a official, unofficial mascot of Inroads because so much of the experience of playing that guy affected the way I framed a lot of the ministry philosophy of Inroads. So I walked around as Drogon Anvilsong, 75th Anvilsong of the Archive, son of Draven Anvilsong, and just decided that I was going to collect stories. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a cool moment. We're going to, you know, make people honorary dwarf bards, tell them that their story is important and that they rock. And, uh, and that'll be a thing. And so I figured, I figured I'd only do that Saturday. I didn't only do that Saturday. I did it Sunday too. And, uh, literally the only reason I, I won't do it Friday also of next year is because I do want to sit down and play board games at some point during the convention. But it was amazing because there were some moments, and I, I won't go into all of them because literally we gave out hundreds of buttons. Like I didn't count, but yeah, there are hundreds of these buttons. And it was, it was really kind of amazing the, the degrees of story that we heard. It went everything from this is what I had for breakfast in the morning because we told them any story counts. And so they literally said what they had for breakfast in the morning to like deep, hardcore life stories. And I should have seen it coming because one of the very first stories that we heard was this person was there. I think they were demoing. I think either they were running the booth or they were demoing. And they go, yeah, by the way, my, my grandfather was a rum runner in Atlantic City in the 1920s. I'm like, excuse me now. This is the very first story. I, I don't, 
I don't understand. This is where we're, this is, this is setting the tone. And we really did get some phenomenal stuff, uh, to kind of let you hit the highlights. Like there was one who my, I think some of my favorites were there was a research librarian or an academic librarian from Guam who we just, she worked at the university of Guam. Yeah. We, we randomly bumped into her and asked her for a story and before you know it, we were hearing the story of this, this student who was like, what do I do with my life? And, and, and how just sitting down and talking with him, like gave him the idea to go into politics and, and kind of do stuff that's going to help preserve his people, the native people. And I'm like, that, that's phenomenal. Um, like we heard, like, one of my favorites, and it, it only lasted seconds, but it was these two little boys. And you could just tell, like, they really wanted to participate, because I had the full, I had the full beard and the helmet. And, like, I could just tell that they were... There were a lot of people who didn't quite know what to, what to think about you. No, there I, were a lot of... I didn't know what to think about yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of, there were a lot of people who kind of pointed and laughed, and, and that, even that made me happy. But that's the, but that's the point, I, I... That is. Was to draw that attention and then engage them with the question. Right. Uh, so these two little boys, like, I could just tell. And uh, I, said, I said, do you want to tell me a story? I said, we'll give you a button if you give me a story. And these two, I, I don't even remember what their stories were because they're little kid stories. And if you've ever heard a little kid tell a story, you know how they go. And so I can't piece it all together. But the thing that I loved was was the how it it broke from the shyness of I'm talking to a weird man in a weird place all the way up to let me tell you everything about everything and then the 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 younger brother kind of elbowing his way in to tell a story who he was so young he didn't even need a badge so his parents made him one it's a little cardboard one that had his name on it because <laughs> That's adorable! Because you could just tell that he was upset that his brother got a badge and he didn't. Like, it, like, I got to have that moment with these cool kids. We gave them buttons and stickers and just threw swag at these kids because we loved them so much. They were great. But, uh, I mean, I could go on for days about these stories, but one thing that I think kind of, if I was to, to give an overarching picture of it, I think the thing that really proved the value of this and why I'm going to do it more next year and try to maybe even go more whole hog. I might try to be even more elaborate in my get up to really kind of just be part of it. Uh, it was the idea that so many people started our conversation with them saying, I don't really have a story. But then Dave and I kind of looked at him and said, no, any story works. Please tell us anything, literally anything at all. And then they proceeded to tell us some of the most interesting stories we'd heard at the con. It was amazing. Oh, my word. I don't have a story. Well, no, everybody's got a story. What You can tell us anything. And it would just be like the thing that came out of their mouth was just, oh, my word. To, to give you the one, the, the one that stuck in my head the most because it was it went from 0 to 60 so quickly and again this is just the epitome there's lots of these but the one that stuck in my mind was there was like literally we had talked to every person she was there with so it was like four or five stories we'd already heard 
And then she goes, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have a story. And they told such awesome ones. I don't, I don't really. And we're like, no, seriously, anything. We don't want to give your friends buttons and not you one. Tell us anything. And she goes, okay, so I was at the Olympic trials for horse jumping. And, and, you know, I, I really didn't get a good, good horse. The horse was lame. So on the 10 foot jump, he jumped and we got stuck. And I, she was one jump away from qualifying for the Olympics. Wow. And I, I, I was just, I was just like, I can't, I can't fathom that this is somebody who just told me that they don't have a story. Profound and heartbreaking. Yeah. So it was, it was phenomenal. I, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even fathom it. But, but yeah, that was, that was the kind of thing that really, that really stuck with me is that so many people thought they had no story to tell us. But when they finally did, it was, it was just like jaw dropping crazy. And that was, that was consistent. And it just reminded me over and over again that so many people don't think their life, their stories have value. And it, it, it was really, it was an amazing blessing to be able to step into that and be like, no, I want to hear your stories. I, I want to hear what you have to tell me. And it really, it, it was just, it was phenomenal. So in the same vein as, as that, so one of the more fascinating in- interactions I had, um, and, and the kind of, this is the theme that, that I was getting when, when I was interacting with some people, because, um, there were some people who I kind of figured out that they that they at least were believers in some capacity, but I don't think they actually like um like like they 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 were doing the uh, they were designers they were content creators they they were involved in that sort of thing, but I think they didn't realize that inroads existed, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, one such person who I interacted with, uh, one of my favorites. So I'm very connected and very involved in the Dice Tower community. Uh, I love them. I love many of the contributors uh, and that sort of thing. And I did a lot of things with the Dice Tower contributors this weekend because uh, they're some of my favorite people on the internet. And one such person, uh, Roy Kennedy, who goes by Epic Gaming Night. He has a YouTube channel and everything like that. Uh, he was demoing at the... Um, Oh my gosh, Plat Hat Games booth. Um, and so on Saturday, one of the first things I did, because I had a full day slated out because that was my day off, um, I knew that one of the things I needed to do was to try to um, play a game with one of the Dice Tower contributors who was there demoing a game. was not necessarily at the booth, but was demoing. And so I, I met up with Roy Kennedy with Roy, and he's a really nice guy. I mean, he's a great guy on the internet, and he equally is a great guy in person. And um, and so I, I talked with him. Um, I played the game that he showed me. It was a great game. It's uh, Guardians. Uh, love that. That was a really great game. I, I didn't expect that one. I didn't know it even existed, and I tried it out and really liked it. And, and then I kind of... So I, I had to... One of the things I had to get over... Was with this con, one of the things that, that, I, that I prayed that God would help me with is that I have a really bad anxiety with meeting new people. Um, it, which you would think is quite odd because I'm a very people person, but like, you know, I, I really, like, meeting somebody who I only know through the internet 
there was a big hurdle that I had to get over to get to that point. Um, and so, and then even further, not only getting over the hurdle of just meeting them in person, meeting them, but also telling them about what I was doing there, what what inroads is, what I'm doing, and that sort of thing. And so, uh, I talked with Roy a bit after I was done with the demo, and then I kind of told him about why I was here. I told him about inroads. I told him about all this kind of stuff, and the conversation basically went. Oh, I'm already doing this kind of stuff in my church, but I had no idea that there was a ministry that existed that, that, that does this, specifically. And so I immediately showered him with swag. I'm like, here, <laughs> take all this. Here's information. Find us. Be encouraged, because what you do matters, and what you're doing at your church matters. And and and, and I really connected with him. And, and, and I felt like that was, you know, that was a thing, you know, in the same vein of, like, um, of people saying, you know, they didn't think they had a story. I think that what I was telling people is that, you know, they didn't think that what they were doing was a ministry and that it was. And to remind them or to, or to like, tell them up front for the first time that what they're doing, if they're, if they're Christians and they're making content, and they're playing games with people, and they're designing games, it's ministry, what they're doing. It's ministry, it's creating, it's creation, it's sharing the love of Christ through creation of, of things. And and so I, I really was glad that I had some of those moments. That, that was not the only moment that I had, but it was one of those moments that I had uh, that I felt like was such a meaningful interaction that I had. Uh, and I really like. I, I I hope that we get to hear more from Roy about that. We'll we'll see how the fruit of that that conversation. But that was one of the highlights of my convention was just that the fact that I got over myself and and was able to provide that conversation with with Roy. Well, Dave, by the way, what what was his name? Roy. Roy Canada. Would Would you like to recount briefly? The, the story of your your meeting. <laughs> well, you know, I mentioned before that there were a couple of these little, um, uh, you, you know, wide-eyed moments at uh, at the convention, and one of them was I I had seen Roy's some of Roy's videos about a variety of different games that I had ended up uh, purchasing and making part of my collection and really enjoying, and so I really appreciated. Uh, his perspective and his outlook, and um, we seem to have, uh, we seem to enjoy the same kinds of games for the same kinds of reasons. And so, um, I, I knew of him from his Epic Gaming Night videos. And so, when I saw that he was uh, demoing a game at Plaid Hat Games, I was like, "Mike, is that is that Roy Kennedy?" Yes, I believe it is. It 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 is. <laughs> Ron Carradine! <laughs> and he's like, well, it's Roy. Oh. He was a very, very gracious person based on the fact that Dave basically got his name completely wrong. You know, because that's part of being a content provider is, you know, having your name out there attached to a certain kind of content. And um, I just blew it. But he, he was. He was very gracious. He talked with us. He shared a story with us. 
we got to geek out a little bit about War of the Ring. He was really excited that I had bought it, and I was really excited that I had played it, and we just had to... And, and got your Treebeard promo. I did. I got my Treebeard promo. That was very exciting. At least you guys know developer names. I am so bad with that. Like, all weekend, your guy's like, oh, yeah, there's that guy. And I'm like, who? What? <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. He made a game. Awesome. Well, to kind of talk about your transition, like, you're, this is the first time with us. Most of the time you spend is has been in the video game space. A lot of it, yeah. A lot of, um, at least my first, I don't know, 20, 25 years of gaming was mostly yeah. mostly video games. So... I could probably tell you more voice actors or um, game developers than I can, like, video game developers than I can tabletop de- developers. Exactly. What you realize is, is that the knowledge that, that we bring into this is from, like, I've been playing these games for, well, I mean, I've been playing the most of my life, but even even to be at the, the, the incredibly nerdy level that I'm at right now, even at that level, I'm talking about, what, 12 15 years now hmm. so i do when when certain names cross my path over and over again the reason i was able to identify isaac vega is because literally isaac vega is responsible for like half of my top 10 favorite games hmm. so i know who he is because of the work that he's done there are also some people that you pick up just because their work is important i know what rob davio looks like because rob davio's work literally has changed the face of gaming because how many things have campaign games and legacy games and whatever because he and Matt Leak got got together and said, hey, maybe we should do something with this. It's just, so, it's just impressive to me that like you guys take the time to to get the to know the people behind the games. They're not just the games. They are they are the babies of the people who make these games. And right. You know, you let developers know they're important, like Jeff was alluding to before. Well, I'll actually use that to transition into talking about games, because that story kind of encapsulates. Like, we're I'm going to give everybody one, because we're already kind of going fairly long with this, and there's so much more that we could talk about. So I'm going to give everybody one. We might throw more games later, because there there's all the games we want to play all the games. But especially because we go in as ministry, we don't always get to play everything. But there was one game that I played that I needed to play. I, I went into the convention knowing I needed to play this. Uh, and it's because the designer of the game is a regular. It's part of our, our Facebook group, part of, of what we do at Inroads. And so when he said, I'm going to be demoing my game all the convention, there was no way I wasn't going to play it. And uh, I'm just going to I'm going to pull back the curtain a touch here. Uh, there are lots of people who ask us to play games like we're not even any kind of like top tier reviewer or anything. But when you have a game and you put your heart and soul in it, it doesn't matter anybody who has any kind of audience. You want them to know it. And so there are times when people who have put games in front of me where I'm just like, OK, yes, this is. And I, I put on, you know my my teacher pants and i'm like okay this is the good stuff here and i like this but at the back of my head i'm like i'm never playing this game again i'll tell you literally here this is giving you that piece of information that there are times when i just try to to find the good because i have to because i do not want to crush somebody's soul 
The only reason I didn't walk away with a copy of the Mansky Caper is because I don't have money to buy games right now. Hmm. Uh, Ken Franklin, who is a member of the Tavern, who is a... He, he went from, I've never heard of you guys before, to, oh my goodness, Inroads is the greatest thing ever. I want to tell all my friends about it. Uh, Ken's like, hey, I put this game out. We're, we're coming up with another one. If you want to, you know, talk about that, that's great. But I'm going to be demoing Mansky Caper at PAX Unplugged. You need to play it. And I did. This game is fantastic. It's got, like, I don't know how to fully capture the best of it because it really is an experience. But, uh, you, there are certain rooms that are available and certain rooms that are hidden in this mansion. And you are basically going in to rob this mansion blind. You're trying to take as much stuff as you can, but you're, you're a part of this team of people trying to just steal everything. But, uh, Al Mansky, the guy who runs the place, um, he really does believe in strong home security. And by strong home security, I mean bundles of dynamite. And basically what it, it's, it's kind of a press your luck game where you're trying to steal as much stuff as you can and keep it safe in your bag before rooms of the, of that, of the mansion literally explode and no longer become accessible. <laughs> it seems like an extreme way to, uh, to keep people from taking your stuff. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Uh, there's so much to this that, that leads into this cool experience. For one, the production. The production is great because I'm looking at this stuff. I go, man, this is a lot of little cardboard bits. This is a lot of, of weird little gems and these safes. It has three dimensional safes that you literally pluck the, the stuff out of. And I'm like, there, this has got to be a pain to put together. And then there's Ken. Saying, oh, by the way, all this stuff is pre-punched out. We've tested those safes, so you're really going to have to work hard to kind of damage them. Like, we we really do put all this stuff together. It comes with this bit container. I'm like, oh, dang. So all the complicated, annoying parts of putting a game together, y'all have already done? All right. And the game itself, like, the mechanisms of the game are really simple. You walk into a room. You pick stuff up. If, if you're the only person in the room, you get everything. But if one of your team is there, then you basically have to share it. And anything that can't be evenly shared sits in the room until somebody leaves. And then you sweep, you, you sweep it up. There's oh, an aspect, okay. there's an aspect of favors. Like you start the game, everybody has one favor that they get to call in. And basically every character has a special ability, but you can't use your own. You call in favors to use the other player's special abilities. Hmm. And what, and once you call it in, you give them the favor. So now they have two. And then there's even, there's even kind of like an honor, uh, the no honor among thieves kind of situation because if you're both at the car, aka the room where you stash your stuff, if you know that you have nothing and the person that's there with you has a ton of stuff, I actually had this done on me when uh when I was playing I'm very thankful that the guy who did it had a similar amount of stuff in his bag because you can do what's called the hey buddy rule and you remove a favor from the game to basically dump both of your bags out on the table and split it equally between the two of you <laughs> and and I'm the whole time I'm playing this I'm like this is phenomenal I I 
I really, really like this game. And because it's so rules light, like, I could play this with any person I've ever played games with. Like, little kids, older folks, people who've gamed forever, people who are, who've never played a game in their life. I can see this working with all of them because at its core, it is so very simple. And it didn't hurt the fact that, that Ken, at least on, on the day that the first day that I went over there, he was actually kind of role playing as Al Mansky. So he had the full suit and the hat and he would talk in the accent and it was great. But, but even without the showmanship, the game is phenomenal. The Mansky caper, uh, both Ken and, uh, Chris Leader, who's other, the other designer on it, both of them have been showing all the places it's showing up in stores. I think it even, I think they even recently sh- showed that it showed up in a Barnes and Noble. Find that game and, and get it. Uh, if nothing else, it was the sweetest thing ever because I, I, I demoed it once and then I watched, I, I watched another demo and I kind of came in kind of just to see, just to see Ken and say hi. And every time he would end it with some variation on, uh, I am absolutely blessed to be able to play this game with you. This is my baby. This is my first published game. And I am so thankful that you were here to demo this with me. And, and that it, it struck me when he would say that, because I know that feeling, I know that vibe of this person has put their heart and soul into this project. And now they're finally getting to share it with people. And it's so, I'm so glad that it's such a good game because, because I, I, I love to be able to look somebody in the face and go, dude, this is amazing. And I did with Ken repeatedly. So I, I will leave it up to you as to who goes next with, with one game that you played that is phenomenal. Uh, easily for me, that is, um, Fantastic Factories. So the story with this is that, um, I had heard about this game on the magical place called Tabletop Internet, which can be a very magical place most of the time. And um, I had heard about this um, through some content creators that I follow, uh, specifically ones who are based out of Seattle, because the designer of this game is based out of Seattle. His name is Joseph Chen. And so um, he put it out there that he was coming to PAX Unplugged, and wanted people to come and play this game. And uh, so I reached out to him, said I'd love to try it, I'd love to get an opportunity, and so he and I uh, DM'd each other on Twitter and coordinated a time, and we met in the free play area with some people, and we played the game. And um, if anyone knows me well enough, they know that I love a good engine builder. I'm a sucker for a very good mechanism. I'm a big fan of a game where I get to build a really awesome engine. No matter as seen, how, as seen by the fact that the first game we played together, uh, where all of us were playing, was Gizmos, yep. which I could not get enough of. Yep. Uh, which is why when I found out about that game, I immediately picked it up. So, yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, I met up with Joseph Chen, and, uh, so I was actually the first one there, uh, at his, uh, this time that he was having to meet with people. And so what I did is I decided it was important for me, uh, because I really hadn't experienced this game. I only saw, like, the imagery. I saw what it looked like. I thought it looked really awesome. And so I really wanted to learn more about him. And I wanted to learn about how he came up with this idea, where it came from, 
and and that sort of thing. He kind of told me, oh, this was a a combination. So the best way he described it um, was it's a combination of Race of the Galaxy and Alien Frontiers and how it works. Um, basically, it's a game where you're using a few different mechanisms. There's there's a bit of resource management. There's a bit of drafting in the game, and, and in, even in some cases, as you can imagine, hate drafting is a is a big part of the game. Um, and what you're trying to do is basically build these awesome factories that make uh, different types of resources, and also there's dice. Uh, you're rolling dice, and you're having to use the dice results for a number of different purposes, uh, generating resources, um, activating some of your factories, because your ultimate goal is to build these buildings and get the resources to build them so that you can uh, like build all these different factories and do different things. And to create these goods, because the goods are actually points that you get at the end of the game, uh, creating these goods. Um, and they're actually a way that the game ends, in, in a way, like producing a certain number of goods or producing or making a certain number of buildings causes the end game to happen. Um, and so, um, so I really, um, so I, he explained this all to me. But what I also kind of heard, he really isn't much of a talker. He didn't really seem like somebody who's extroverted in a way. And so the, the thing that I also got an opportunity to see was how passionate he was about making this game. That he, you know, he, that he really thought through all of this. He really put a lot of effort in. And actually, I talked to, uh, Suzanne, Shel to Suzanne Sheldon, uh, who's also a local to him, and she informed me a lot about the process that it took to get this game to where it is now. Um, and that bit of context really helped me to see that this guy, you know, I really appreciated what he did. I love the game, as you can imagine, as you can tell. I love the game, but I really loved meeting him especially, because I really only knew him through the internet, and I... I really liked that I got to, to interact with him in person. And so that was really my highlight was playing that game. I mean, there were a lot of other opportunities of different games, but like that game really was honestly my highlight. Mm. For me, after listening to you describe Fantastic Factories, Jeff, I really, I really wanted to be able to play it because it just sounded really cool. For me, my, the game that took me, uh, I guess, it's hard to say it took me by surprise. Like, every game I played was not one I had played before. Um, and so it was my first time, like, learning as many new games as I did. I remember Friday night, I came, I came down at the end of the day, and I was like, Mike, I think I've learned too many games. My brain is tired. I am, I am brain tired. It was a little bit better Saturday and Sunday, because you just kind of get used to it, but... Um, Sunday afternoon, I finally was able to get to the Renegade booth, uh, and try some of their games. Uh, Arboretum was one. I watched, um, Clank and I, I got to Forest, uh, Fox in the Forest was, um, the lady was standing there and no one was playing the game with her. So I thought I'd step over there and, and see, I'd heard a little bit about it. The Fox in the Forest by uh, by Joshua. I'm gonna butcher this. Burgle, Bur Burgle. I'm not sure. 
I've only ever seen it in print, so your guess is as good as mine. It's a trick-playing game, or a trick-taking game. And uh, I, I'm not a fan of those. I'm not really good at um, thinking through strategy and, and that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a struggle for me. But uh, So I don't normally like trick-taking games. But this was interesting because it was a two-player trick-taking game. And there were three suits. There's towers, keys, and there's moons. One through eleven for each suit. And on the odd ones, all the odd ones are cards that um, have a special uh, text. They, they have a special ability when they're played. All the ones, when you play them, if you lose that trick, you still get to lead the next, uh, the next, uh, the next hand. And so, you know, you, you, you start with 13 cards, um, and you play, you're taking tricks, and the scoring is what makes everything really unique, because you can, if you score zero to three tricks, um, you're classified as, as humble, and you get six points. If you get four tricks, you get one point. Five, you get two. Six, you get three. Seven to nine, you get another six points. But if you get over nine tricks, you get zero points. And so it's it just makes for this really interesting tension of you don't wanna you wanna you wanna win a certain number, but you don't want to win too much. Um, if you go over nine then you're classified as greedy and you don't get any points for that. And so you play you can play in up to twenty one points is what they recommend for a regular game, sixteen for a short game. But with the odd card cards having special abilities, it just, and the scoring mechanism, it just made playing the game really fun. Lots of different ways to just kind of upset someone else's strategy, to have your own strategy just kind of blown out of the water. Um, I think that's what struck me most about the games that I played, is that there were these really simple, simple mechanisms that just had so much depth. We, Jeff was talking about Ghost of the Moor. It was another game very much like that. Very easy to learn, very basic. But there's just, there's so many different ways to think through it and play it. Um, uh, the Fox in the Forest, the artwork was beautiful. The artwork and the theme was kind of based out of an old fairy tale, The Queen's, uh, the Queen's Butterflies. Um, doesn't really affect the gameplay all that much, uh, if at all. Uh, but it, the artwork was beautiful. Um, the, the odd number cards with the different abilities was really interesting. Um, and I just loved it. I ended up taking it home with me. My wife loves it. So, um, that'll be one that we keep around and, and bring out quite a bit, I'm sure. The interesting thing about that one to me has always been that it's a two-player trick-taking game. Yeah, they they did it, and they were really successful at it. I, I, I'm jealous that, that you, you know, have that. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's also not the only game that I'm jealous of you getting, because there there was the moment where you're like, I, I'm, I have to choose between this game and another game. <laughs> And and I apparently was the linchpin for choosing the game that you actually walked away with, and and, and I'm jealous that you have it. And again, it was uh, it was Hanami Kochi, and uh, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Probably you are. Okay, you did it. 
but again, that was that was a, a really really basic strategy or basic mechanics that just have this really really interesting tension and can really uh, make for some interesting interesting plays. All right, Monzo, you're up. What's what's a game that you got to play and don't say Settlers of Catan? No, no, it wasn't Catan. No, no, it was not my highlight. <laughs> um, that was a really long day. I met some cool people. I had some fun, but that was a long day of Catan. I, it's really hard for me to choose just one. There were so many games I played. Um, now, I'm, I, I like a good strategy game. Uh, my favorite games at PAX Unplugged were not strategy games. They were party games, which is weird. Um, cause I'm, I'm always like, yes, gritty, crunchy game, give it to me. Spirit Island is at the top of my list right now. And that is, you know, that's, that's a hefty, hefty game. But, um, I think my top one from PAX Unplugged is going to be just one. Oh yeah! Oh man, I so, love that game. I didn't play it, but I heard a lot of good things about it. It it was really really fun, and it it gets harder the better you know people. So right. Bre- basically, break down, because especially because it's it's fairly on the new end. Break yeah. down a little bit of what the game plays like on that. So one. it plays kind of like taboo. You're given a list of cards, but if you are the person whose turn it is, you you don't see that card at all, and you pick a number. So it's number one through five, and everyone else can see that card. So if you were to pick number two, and let's say it was Jelly Bean, everyone else would have to come up with one word, just one word, hence the title, just one, um, that would help you to figure out the word Jelly Bean. So if someone said Candy, and another person also said Candy, you would have to get rid of that clue because two people said it. So all the words that you used had to be unique or they could not be used to help you describe this word. Um, so it was, it was really fun. We, we had, um, there were eight of us playing and one of the words we got was pregnant and three of us wrote down trimester. Trying to be like, oh yeah, I know big words. So we wrote down trimester. We didn't go with like, you know, uh, labor or delivery or, or baby or pickles. I don't know. Anyway, um, there were so many different words we could have used. We're like, no, we're going to use the longest word we knew. And three of us did trimester. So we couldn't use it at all. And the person who was guessing ended up not getting it because they were like, uh, what? Cause they, were, I don't know where they were left with, but trimester was out. The one thing, the one thing that I've heard consistently from people who play that game is that everybody is so in everyone else's head. Yeah. That you're like, like, oh, clearly they're going to say this word. So I shouldn't use this word. But the problem is that they're thinking the exact same thing. Clearly the other person's going to say that word. So I should use this other word. And they end up saying the same word anyway. Yeah. It, it ends up getting like after the first couple rounds you start getting really meta about it. like, And you're not allowed to discuss what words you're going to be writing down or not. You're not allowed to talk to each other at all. We kind of did. Well, you're not allowed to talk to each other at all. Um, so you, you don't know who's going to do what. Who's going to put the most basic word? Who's going to put the most technical word? Who's going to... I put down... um, What was it? I put down Batman for something. 
Oh, it was the word was vengeance, and we were all having this a hard time figuring out what to put with vengeance. So I put down Batman because you know because it just makes sense. Nineties Batman animated series, yo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly is right. So j- just one, I think, was my top pick. Yeah, there, um, Shadows Amsterdam was another great one. There was one we played called "Someone Has Died," where you role played as to who I, was going to get this this dead person's stuff. I, I will say, as somebody who watched the game of "Someone Has Someone Has Died," that's fantastic. It was it was <laughs> great. It was strictly role play with your friends and trying to be stupid, and re- reminded me a lot of of um, like Super Fight. And I don't yeah. like Super Fight, but uh, this was this was good fun. Yeah, there's there's so much to see. There's so much to play. Like there were so many times when uh, I would find myself going. Like I I said that I was going to camp out, and there was like a circle of plaid hat games, and I I joked several times that I wanted to just camp there and go from one to the next to the next. Uh, to be fair. Dave and I both did two of them. We played Crystal Clans and Starship Samurai. Both were very good experiences. But like, I really wanted to play Neon Gods just because I have Neon Gods, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. And I wanted to play Gen 7 because, as I got to tell Jerry Hawthorne, I, I, I'm already writing the article in my head about Gen 7. And I want to play it so that I can write that article. But I didn't. I didn't get the chance to do either Neon Gods or Gen 7. Because there's just so much... That doesn't even... There's Comanauts, and that's just at the Plaid Hat booth. There were so many things I wanted to do just at the Plaid Hat booth, and I didn't get to near any of them. Because there's just so much stuff to see. And I kind of want to to transition into my my next thing that I want to, to point out. Like, what is... What are stories of either people or events or let's just say it, games that you really wanted to get to, but just the day-to-day of the convention meant that you just never had the time. I, I will say, mine is not getting to play Gen 7. It it bummed me out so hard that I did not get a chance to, to play Gen 7. Uh, a runner-up, because I did technically get to see him, but not really. Oh, I can actually do... There's Again, there's so many of these. Uh, there was a designer who I've talked with online because he put out a game, and the thing that struck me about the game, not only because it looked fun, but also because uh, he said that a portion of the profits for the game was going to go to bipolar research, and those of you who know me and, and know my family know that the idea of supporting bipolar research is very important to me. And so he and I got to talking, and he and I have been uh, friends on Facebook and Twitter for ages now. We've been to events together before, but we've just never touched base. And I didn't touch base with him this time either. His name is Michael Addison. He runs Nerdy Pup Games. Um, literally, he was working the Pandasaurus booth. And so most of the... Because Pandasaurus had Dinosaur Island, there was never a moment that every seat of, of the Pandasaurus booth wasn't filled. And so literally, it would, it would always be... I'd walk past and go, hi, Michael. He'd be like, hey, Mike. And like that would be the extent of it because... That was all we could do. The other one who I'm, I'm still jealous that Jeff got to connect with him because uh, I've been following them on Twitter. I've watched their videos. They're fantastic. Uh, Danny from Danny and Derek was there. 
I had talked to him on Twitter beforehand saying, gosh, I'd love to meet you in person. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> there's, so there's so much that, that when you're, especially when you're doing this with a purpose, like if you're just going to just wander and play games, it's a little easier to just wander and play all the games, but we go there with a purpose. And so, so much of my time was spent doing that other stuff. So gentlemen, I open it up to you. What are some things slash some people that you wanted to, to say hi and experience, but you just didn't? Well, <laughs> um, one of the sacrifices that I made in the path that I took was uh, being an exhibitor. Uh, part of my time had to be at a booth. I couldn't do as much exploring like the entire convention. I couldn't. I, I had to work Friday morning, the beginning part of Friday, and all day Sunday. So I didn't really get to go out and do as much of the exploring in the expo hall. And and in all honesty, you know, it's fine because I, my, I'm very fortunate that I have a solid tabletop community that I'm a part of. That the good news is, is that many of the games, like my the people in my tabletop community, spread out nice and far throughout the convention. And so they were able to explore a lot of the games that I wasn't able to even get a chance to, to go to. And so, thankfully, I trust their judgment on a lot of things. And they usually also end up buying those games or that sort of thing or, or like, backing it if it's on Kickstarter or something like that. Um, but for me, uh, I really um, wish that I, I spent a bit more time um, I want to say, I think one of the people I wanted to meet and I did just didn't get a chance to was, was James Hudson. Um, so I, I know that Mike got a chance to talk with him, but I really wanted to. I only got to speak with him briefly. As yeah. It was. And so I thought that I was going to have the ability to connect with him a bit more, but every single time I walked by his booth and it's understandable because he is a very, he does a lot in the world of tabletop. He was busy talking to someone each time, and in and, and the same vein of me being a little anxious, it's difficult for me to like butt into a conversation like that, um, because I'm trying to maintain a, a professionalism and that sort of thing, and, and that balance, and it's difficult. Um, the other person I really wanted to see real bad was Ian Moss. Um, so uh, I actually got an opportunity to connect with Ian Moss at Unpub this past year uh, and try out Duelistor Island. And I really liked connecting with him in the same vein of how I connected with Joseph Chen and Fantastic Factories. Um, I wanted to reconnect with him. And I maybe like waved to him when he was walking past because he maybe recognized me, but that, that was pretty much it. Um, and, oh my gosh, um, it, it just... Th there were a lot of people that I really wanted to go to their booths and, and, and try out their games, but... Um, and, and that was a, a big sacrifice for me. But and, and and even when I had the entire day Saturday off, um, I didn't really go to the expo booth as much. I didn't really do as much of the expo booth. I just you know was so exhausted <laughs> from from all the work that I had to do and everything like that. And and I um, it really drained me a bit. So 
I, that was something I didn't really consider in terms of like the amount of plans that I made. I just couldn't keep up with all of them. Um, and so, uh, and Danny, and Danny and Derek, I also didn't connect with Danny as much. I really kind of connected with him very briefly, um, and and everything like that. And I wish I would have had an opportunity to connect with him more, but I, I it just didn't happen. Um, so you know, I'm hoping that I will have. I mean, thankfully, this is not the last time I'll be able to see them. I'm sure. So I'm hoping to meet with them next time, but. Um, I'm glad I connected with who I got to connect with, and I'm, I'm thankful for the the fact that I was able to make every single interaction that I did have as intentional as I could. There you go. He even threw in one of the, the inroads buzzwords of intentionality. Intentionality. <laughs> anyway, right. um, so... <laughs> Uh, what I regret not having gone to, I got two things. One, I didn't see any Badana group panels. Um, I really wanted to go hit those because I was uh, doing my Catan thing. I missed wait, them. Wait, wait, hold on. This is when I get to jump in and do a little bit of inroads business. Bum, bum. So literally, uh, I'm working hard to schedule TavernCon this year in a time when the Bodana group can come. But literally, in talking with them this year... They said that regardless of whether or not I can do it so that everybody can come, they're going to send somebody to TavernCon. So there's going to be some people from the Bodana group at TavernCon. Nice. Okay, continue. Um, so there was that. And also, I didn't – I kept saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to go check out the, the Unpub room. And I, I, I didn't once. I needed to go in there, and I just – I skipped it. So I really it's, regret it's not It's so hard when there the are so many games that are, you know – Pubbed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unpubs need love too. And thankfully, uh, I did hear that the unpub room did get a lot of love throughout the convention. That was one of the That's things that people too, yeah. really that was that made me so happy um, that I heard about that 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 people were were flooding that room just as much as the main expo hall, and that there is constant play testing in that room. That made me so happy. But yeah, I didn't get there either. <laughs> so There's yeah. something beautiful about being able to say that, that you saw a game long before it ever became a published thing. Like, to be able to say that, oh, that wasn't the way it was when I played it. Like, th there's something cool about being able to do that. And to be able to help the designer come to that realization that those changes need to be made. Yeah. Yeah. All right, All right Dave. Well, I think that, I mean, that was part of being, part of being new is like, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, my, one of my, what I realized, I guess on Friday, what I realized is, um, that in coming to this con for the first, for the first time, I mean, any gaming con for the first time, um, was that I realized I came in with the expectation that I was going to go to all the things and play all the things. And so I, I, I didn't do that. Um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to go to one of the Badana panels as well. One thing I am thankful for is that I had a chance to, to chat with them before the convention even started on that Friday morning when we got there. Um, and just to hear some of the, some of the stories coming out of what they're doing, uh, just, my goodness, just using, using 
board games and role-playing games and s to have such a positive uh, uh, impact on the lives of people who are, are struggling really hard uh, with some very, um, very deep things. It was just so encouraging. Um, so I, I was really thankful to, to have that. I wish I had gone to the panels, um, but I had a chance to, to talk with a few of them beforehand, and it was just... That was just really, really good. As, as as people who are part of our community know, I, I was on the board of the Bodana Group, and one of the things that I've had to dial back this year because of you know now that I have a, a baby boy and some other scheduling shenanigans, I just couldn't pull it off. But I'm I'm still very fortunate that uh, that that wasn't it wasn't a bad leave. It was literally. I had to look at them and go, Jack, Jen, I literally can't do this anymore. And they kind of said, we get it. If things change, come back. But uh, the Bodana Group is doing phenomenal stuff, and I will continue to be their hype man, even though I'm not technically on the board anymore. So I will be sure to put a link in all the places this shows up that if you don't know about the Bodana Group, you need to look into them because they're doing phenomenal work. Mm. And in terms of, you know, games that I missed out on, um, I was really in, I'm intrigued by Keyforge, uh, but the line was just... Apparently so is everyone else. Because there were a lot of people that wanted to try out Keyforge. Um, I'll get, Sorry. I'll get a chance at some point, I'm sure. Um, it just would have been fun to, to say that I was one of the, one of the few to, uh, to be able to, to play it there at, at Jackson. I had multiple t times when I'd bump into people playing Keyforge, and I became that guy because I instantly was like, "Please tell me the names of your decks." <laughs> <laughs> like, did did you get anything weird? Oh, but uh, okay. I, I, there, we've been at this for so long. There's so much that we can say. Uh, I do. I, I'm going to ask you guys to be short, but at the same point. These are, are cool moments, and so if you need to tell the long story, tell the long story. But uh, I kind of want just just any particular moments. We've kind of touched base on him with the stories and everything, but I, I, is there any particular moments that stuck out to you, like like really cool things? Not necessarily ministry-oriented or, or anything like that, just cool, fun stuff. And, and I'll start by doing a large swath kind of coverage of something that was just happening over and over and over again. Uh, I absolutely loved the number of people who are my, my internet friends who I've now met and hugged in real space. There were so many, so many people from the tavern. Uh, I got, I got to play blood rage with somebody who I met last year at PAX Unplugged, who has been a part of the tavern. And he specifically said, I know you love blood rage. I need to play blood rage with you. And that was a cool moment. Uh, I got to actually meet uh, two people who have been a huge part of what Inroads is about for years now, uh, the Lysites, Pat and Cat Lysite. I got to meet them in person and hug them, and that was amazing. Uh, Jeff mentioned Sue Sheldon; she's fantastic, and I got to, you know, she, because of the fact that we uh, we didn't really participate in Gen Cant this year, but last year we did, and so Susan and I were talking a lot about that, and Susan and I often get often get into. Uh, whole conversations on Twitter that are nothing but stupid gifts. So like, it was nice to be able to, to just say hi to her. And like, there are just, 
there's so many to, to be able to speak to so many people who I've met online and who I finally got to see and who, uh, shout out to the folks at, there's another podcast that followed us on Twitter and, and we've talked a bunch. Uh, they do a couple shows, but, but the one that I listen to is called pod of love. Uh, the fact that they swapped me out and was like, like, Oh, it's you. I've been looking for you. And I'm like, that it's so cool to be able to put faces to these people. And to not just put faces, but to, 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 like I said, to literally just get in there and hug them and to say hi and to have moments like, uh, when we got talking to Isaac Vega and, and I just said, I said, Hey, I'm this guy. I know you see thousands of people on Twitter, but I'm this guy. And to, to end that conversation with him literally saying, I'm coming back next year, message me and we're going to get a game on the schedule that you and I can play together. Like that kind of stuff is so cool. And, and I love it. And it happens at a lot of conventions, but I think because of the fact that, that PAX at least currently rides that middle ground of big enough to draw the big name people and, and a lot of people, but small enough that you, you still bump into everybody. Like it, it rides that wonderful middle ground that you can have these cool moments with people that you only get to see on the internet and, and get to hang out with them. And for me, the, Every time that happened was great. I think for me, one of the one of the most memorable moment, moments um, was watching Mike kick the tires on the Dwarf Bard thing uh, in the lobby of the hotel we were staying in. With those wonderful receptionists, yeah. So Mike, he's like, all right, I got to try this. So he walks up to the desk because he, he came out of the elevator wearing this wool cap and, and beard and... And the receptionists were laughing at him. So after breakfast, he's like, all right, let's do this. And he's like, hey, ladies, I need you to tell me a story. <laughs> and he did the whole whole accent, the whole dwarf bard thing. It was, it was great. And, like, among those three ladies were, like, three different types of people that we would see the whole weekend. You had this one girl who was really... She had a story, and she was a dyna- dynamic te- storyteller, and she was just like, "Yeah, and this pit bull was chasing me, and then I became its friend." Oh, and she had she had good pacing. She yeah. had a good development. She she's a storyteller. And then the two other girls, they were like, "Well, I don't, I don't really have a story. I, I can't top that." And they were they were ashamed, sort of, that they didn't have this this wonderful storytelling ability. Not that they didn't have a story, but they couldn't they couldn't outperform their friend at the desk there. Um, so it was just cool seeing how by the end of our interaction with them, they learned that their story mattered. Yeah, and that that set it, it, it set the tone for the rest of the weekend. At least with Mike going around doing his dwarf bard thing. And I, you know, I got to see that personally. And I also got to see Mike be like, oh yeah, this is going to be good throughout the whole weekend. I'd argue that, not not even argue, um, I liked the fact, the biggest thing that, that, that really um, was so helpful to us as a team was being able to be present at as much of the con as we could be hmm. simply because it was you know it was great that uh we had a hotel right by the convention hall that it wasn't so much that 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 was not something we had to think about 
Of like, by, by the way, everybody who donated to help make that happen, thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> we were um, able to like make friends with people in the lobby who were like, yeah, I'm here by myself. Well, come play games with us. Until 3.30 in the morning. Until 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> we, we, we played, no joke, we played Great Western Trail. We started at quarter to midnight and went until like 3.34 in the morning. Yep. And boy, was it a joyous experience. <laughs> Except um, for Dave. Dave got precious, precious sleep. He, he did. He did. <laughs> yeah. I, re- I regret um, missing that, that moment, though. Yeah. I, I liked that we were so close. I, I liked that it wasn't a thing I had to think about. I, I really liked that I was able to connect with the publisher all weekend. Uh, shout out to Tasty Minister Games. They, they are... It's a really humble publisher... Uh, that, that I just really got, like, I, I loved their games before, and when the opportunity was presented to me to be with them, I, I was like, I'm jumping on this, I want to be with them, and I really, um, so I got to know, uh, Danny, I got to know Lance, and, and that sort of thing, and, and there was only a few of us who were at the, at the booth, you know, in and out, it wasn't like, uh, a big publisher, it was only a few of us who were there, and, um, I really liked that, you know, I was able to connect with this, you know, just kick it with this publisher and, and that sort of thing. And really, most importantly, I, I loved connecting with Dice Tower people and, and many, uh, I posted in the tavern a bunch of photos. I, I was like, you know, I really, you know, could talk, and I did extensively in this podcast. I, I've talked extensively, but really, I wanted to make this about the people who I met. And, and I made that a point that I tried as hard as I could to get photos with everyone who I met because uh, that was the most important thing for me was that I got to see people who I only knew through the internet. And um, and that really just... <laughs> that, that really... It took me so many days to process what I experienced that weekend. And, and that really was just... The greatest, the people that just having the chance to meet people who I only knew through the internet and being in that hotel that I didn't have to worry and that I can just love people. So hearing all this, it's probably pretty easy for people to realize that barring some kind of catastrophe, all of us want to be back at PAX Unplugged next year. Oh, yeah. Yep. Big fat yes. In fact, literally... As, like, it wasn't even, the con wasn't even over yet. It was, like, Saturday night, and we were all already having conversations like, so next year what we're going to do is. <laughs> yep. Um, so I, I kind of want to wrap things up by kind of putting putting out kind of our hopes of things that we want to see, either things that we want to do differently or things that we want to continue to see or things that we hope to see next year. And this one I'm going to start mostly because I'm the, the guy who runs this. Um, one thing I, I mentioned it before, it was a conscious decision early on that though I had brought my audio recorder, I wasn't going to turn it on. It was a conscious decision that I wasn't going to be about interviews. Uh, there, the real reason behind that is, is that there are a lot of people doing them as, as board gaming media has grown not only do you have the big names doing this stuff, you also have smaller places doing this stuff. I lost track of the number of people I saw 
who had like their phones on on a stick to basically get as much video as they could as they're speaking into a microphone like there there's so many people doing interviews and doing coverage that I intentionally said that's not what we're going to do here because I don't even need to I can't even say that we would be able to provide the unique aspect of the faith element because love thy nerd we mentioned them before they were killing it they are killing it and I look forward to all the reviews of the games that they're they're going to be cranking out we couldn't even do that in a unique voice. And so I said, you know what? This is just not what we're going to be about at conventions. We're still, don't worry. We're still going to do reviews. I still, I literally put up a list the other day of games that I want people to play with me because I, I already have things that I want to write about these, these games. We're still going to be putting out content. The, the podcasts don't stop. But as far as our, our presence in conventions, I don't want us to be making that kind of content because there are so many people already doing it. What I want to do is keep doing stuff like this, telling you people about the stories that we do, that, that we are a part of, that we get to listen to, that we get to create. I want it to be that, that Inroads' banner over conventions is that your story has value. And no matter what that looks like, no matter what shape that takes like that's gonna be the overarching thing of our presence at a convention that your story has value and we want to hear it uh, i'm excited to see, even hear that that that's already being talked about that despite the fact that not a single board member of inroads is going to be able to go to gen con there's already a group of people who are saying how do we do an inroads team and do what we did at pax unplugged at gen con so that is going to happen more like the idea of listening to stories, the idea of being able to create stories and to create fun moments with people is going to happen more. Like this is something like I'm already saying, okay, I can't use inroads. I can't justify using inroads money to get, you know, dwarf costume stuff. <laughs> but how, so I'm sitting there going, who do I know that does costume stuff, who will be able to either do this for cheap or donation. <laughs> like, I'm trying to to figure out how to do it so I can be even more elaborate, to have even more of that moment, to be able to carry my little sign and do my outrageous accent and and have it be even more of a thing. Because it was so cool to... Because to, even people who didn't talk to me still had that moment where they pointed and they kind of gilled and they're like, isn't that cool? Uh, I, I'm still bummed about the fact that there was a guy who literally grabbed me by the arm and said, there's a guy who's over in this end of the exhibit hall. He's a dwarf bard and you need to talk to him. Like, we didn't find that guy, which upset me to no end. Like, we were given a quest and we couldn't fulfill it. But, but just the fact that those moments were happening because I put this, granted, Really well crafted. Thank you, Madeline, for making that yeah, amazing, amazing helmet. But uh, so not only could you know could I, I could evoke that with that even as good as it was, it was just a hat. The idea that I could do even more of that, I, I want that to happen. I want that to be a thing, and I I don't care if I never do another interview at a con ever. I want to just be about the storytelling. 
My hopes and dreams for our next PAX Unplugged is actually to have a Dwarf Bard band. So we can go around and cheer people on if they're getting... No. Um. <laughs> I mean, maybe it'll happen, but no. It's not a serious aspiration. I would, I would love to see a team of Dwarf Bards doing their own Dwarf Bard things at a convention. I think... I think that'd just be really cool. Well, one thing one thing I will say that I I we kind of informally had happen, but I think I'm I'm literally telling uh Michael Riddle who's kind of kind of championing doing this at Gen Con, I'm li- I literally told him I'm like you need a swag sherpa. Yeah. <laughs> Which Dave yeah. Dave Dave uh did a yeoman's job being my swag Sherpa Saturday and Sunday. I gave uh, up Sunday. I felt so bad, but I had people waiting for me, and I was like, I gotta go for a buy! Because what what I mean by that is is that I had, because I was doing my shtick, and it was really hard to then dig into my bag to find the buttons and the, the cards and the stickers to give to people. So the ability for one person to make the connection and the other person to be like, you're awesome, here's stuff... It worked so well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is why you need a dwarf bard band behind you. Yes. <laughs> get, the, get the backup band. Um, my hopes, honestly, to, is to continue building the relationships that I've, you know, continued to forge. I mean, I think I did more with publishers this year than I did last year, and... And I think that people are now starting to, like, recognize me and know, like, who I am and that sort of thing because they're seeing me around and they're seeing me on online on Twitter. They're seeing me in person. And I've really, un, you know, I've, I'm so thankful that I was, I've been able to develop the clout that I have. And I want to continue doing that. Um I really think that one of the best things that this con did was, um, so I would say of the, the four of us who are here right now, I, um, was the closest in, in distance to the convention. And, um, this really encouraged my local community, uh, that, that, you know, this, this highlighted that we were here. And it really, brought a lot of hope to us and so i really hope that this convention continues to encourage us out here you know in the middle of we can't get to gen con land as easily and and you know make this the thing that i I really you know in all honesty i I really have been kind of saying for a while that you know i thought that this was going to become the winter gen con of the east and i have kind of reconsidered my thinking about that because I think it's most important that PAX is really its own thing. That it's not like other conventions and that's the beauty of it in all honesty is that it's different. And I think even though it will probably, I know, we all know it's going to get bigger. I want it to continue to maintain what makes it so different than all the other conventions and, and and that's really what I hope will continue to be a thing. For me, I'm I'm really looking forward to just doing more listening and more asking questions and engaging with people's stories. Um, and even occasionally, like th- there were moments where 
somebody had to get somewhere, and so they were telling a quick story, or, or you know, you could tell like the the interaction was just going to be brief, just for a moment. But then to you know stay with Courtney, the woman who had uh, been the the librarian at the University of Guam, and just sit and chat with her for I don't know, maybe ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, we we were there for a while. Uh, to not, you know, not to 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 not feel that pressure of, well, you know, here's your button. We're gonna go, you know, here's some other stories. But to like really sit and connect with her, I'm looking forward to really doing more of that. I was really surprised. I, I expressed this to you, Mike, when we were doing it, because I think I asked you like, is it always like this when you do this or or something like that? And you were like, uh, this is my first time doing it. I I, I just came up with this for packs. <laughs> It, 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 and that's what's going to make this convention unique. <laughs> yeah, it just makes it. It's it's one of those ideas uh, that's. It's just a very simple premise. This idea of why don't you tell me this story? Tell me a story. Tell me a story about you. And um, but on but the layers underneath that, how you are able to um, uh, affirm someone's innate human worth uh, by something as simple as letting them tell you a story and then and then listening and engaging with that to be able to to be a part of that I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to the most uh, next year um, to be able to do that again and, and and do it more yeah it really it really was phenomenal to be able to to do that. To like, if, if you're able to watch slash listen to this, and you can find any of us on social media, um, I will be happy to to break down a ton of the stories that we listen. To. Like, we're already at almost two hours here, so I wanted to like. There's so many more stories that we could talk to, uh, that we we heard, and we're able to have those those really cool moments with people to to see that that realization that somebody actually cares to listen to. And it's particularly interesting because my sign that I carried around, uh, it said, you know, dwarf bards, dwarf bard looking for new stories to add to the archives, add yours and get, and be, be declared an honorary dwarf bard. And, uh, the bard and Bible logo was super big on the corner of it. And I could, there were definitely a couple different times when somebody would talk to me and they'd look down at my logo and they'd look back at me and they're like, any story? And I'm like, no, seriously, anything. And that was, that was a cool, a cool bit because there, there were some stories that were not, we're intentionally not bringing up in this because we run a family, a family friendly podcast. But it was, it was, interesting to still hear them to to still see that they looked at that logo they saw that as big as life bible in big bold letters and to still share what they shared and to to still have us interact with them afterwards to still have that be a part of the experience it was it was great to be able to to have these moments with people and they're there were some that I know literally because they've messaged me afterwards who were saying how, how great it was to have bumped into us. Uh, the one that's been really encouraging was the fact that uh, we bumped into a gentleman who we were just 
telling stories. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm writing a novel. And he's like, and we're like, oh, yeah, what's it about? And before we knew it, we were hearing about the fact that he had developed a clown race for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Dave and I walked away with hard copies because he's like, do you you guys play D&D? And we're like, yeah. (coughs) And we walked away with hard copies of this page of the racial stats and abilities of clowns. Clowns. C-L-O-N-N. And and Dave and I both walked away going, oh my goodness, we totally need to be playing clowns in our next D&D game. All clown campaign. That was that was a great looking like page he gave you guys too. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we bumped into him the next day, and this is what I'll kind of wrap up in to kind of show this just the value of this this approach, the value of these stories, and why it literally has become kind of my my banner of inroads at conventions. We bumped into him the next day. Dave and I both did, and. We just pass. We go, hey, you, you guys, you, you guys are awesome. I said, by the way, every person we've talked to about the clowns wants to be playing a clown. Like literally everyone. And he's like, N-, and his eyes went super wide and, and he smile was almost literally ear to ear. And he, and he, at one point he literally hopped up and down. He was so excited <laughs> because two random people who he had never met before were not only excited about what he made, but he were telling him that they were telling everybody and that everybody was excited. This dude was putting his stuff out there to these random guys and to see that just blossom and to see how much of an impact that had just on his entire, like I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Grown man hopping up and down with joy because we got to tell him that your stuff is that good. And that's all we did. We just said, your stuff is good, and the people we hang out with also also think it's good. And it changed his day. And so, yeah, we really hope to be doing more of that. If you see us at a convention or you see somebody uh, wearing in-road swag, I promise you, if, if, if they're doing it right, they'll be asking you about stories. And if they're not, tell me, because I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I will hunt them down who who's not doing it properly. Uh but yeah, I want to to thank the guys for for coming in on this particular bonus content episode. And uh whether you are watching this on YouTube or listening to it on the podcast, feel free to stop by all of the stuff we do at Inroads. Uh if if you're new and you just kind of found a hashtag or found a a, a topic and you came to our way, please feel free to stop by. Find us on the Tavern, which is our Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we are all over the place. All you need to do is go to Inroads Ministries. That's I-N-N-RoadsMinistries.com. And you'll find the links to everything. You'll find our articles. You'll find our other YouTube videos. Uh, you'll find uh, Jeff Romo running RPGs that are crazy, including one that Jeff's in that is a multi-table game of all bards playing, uh, which is phenomenal. And... Uh, the, look, for, if you if you happen to wander around a convention and you see a guy dressed as a ridiculous, ludicrous bard with an equally ridiculous, ludicrous accent, please stop by, tell a story, because I know I want to hear it. 